I'm Caitlin Gore. And I'm Cynthia Jerkins. And this is... Wait, what is this podcast called again? Shelfie, I think, right? Right. You know what? <laughs> I can't really remember. It's been so long since we've done this. It has been a little while. I think we forgot <laughs> that we were supposed to record this. Something like that. You know, real life gets in the way, people get sick, stuff comes up. Also, book slumps. Book slumps. Those happen too. Work, work craziness. Yeah, so it's been several months since we've talked to any of you, and that is so very sad, and we do apologize. But we have some really great news. We do. Because this episode, you'll be listening to in a different way than normal. It's still going to be on our channel, and on our website, and on our Twitter, but you can now find us on Nerd901. Which we're super excited about that partnership. Woohoo! We get to hang out with the cool kids like Pixels and Papers <laughs> and two-player co-op. I know, right? <laughs> so, can we just take a moment to discuss the fact that the real reason this has been delayed for as long as it has is neither of us have been able to finish a book since, like, February? Oh, yeah, that, that's been a problem. Every book I picked up, I have put back down. Uh, yeah, it was, With the exception of two. I had that problem, too. I was reading along really well. We did Carval. And then, I wish we hadn't. And then that was the last thing we recorded, I think. It actually. was, yeah. And I was reading off to Carval, and it just, I would pick up a book and I would try to read it for a little while, and it would just get, I put it down, and then I couldn't pick it back up again. Yeah. So we were going to do Winter Song, it was supposed to be our next podcast. So this technically should be a podcast about how much we liked Winter Song. Instead, what we're going to say about Winter Song is. Ew. Uh-uh. No. Neither of us actually managed to finish that book. My I- copy has disappeared. <laughs> no, seriously. I was reading it. It was by on my nightstand. I had been reading it, trying to make my way through it. When I got my bookcases in and I put all my books on the shelf, I have the cover for Winter Song. I cannot find the book. The book is so bad, the fairies took it and dog- hit it. There's the dog. Dog <laughs> ate my book. Oh. Dog ate my podcast homework. The fairy said this book is so bad representation of us, I'll have to take it away. Oh my god. Okay, so I read more of that book than you did. I only have 70 pages left in that book. And guys, I keep telling myself I should finish it, but I don't think I'm going to. I I really don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I I cannot convince myself to pick it back up. So this is supposed to be a labyrinth retelling. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be great and wonderful because it had all this these musical elements. So as a musician, I had been told many, many times that I would really like this book. Yeah. The author does nothing but talk down to her reader. Like, she is condescending in everything that she says. The book you also... You can't possibly understand these yeah, terms. you can't understand this. She needs a glossary for her musical terms. Because as someone who has studied music for the vast majority of her life, I can tell you 100% that the average person with the average musical experience will not understand half of what she says. Maybe even more than that. She references obscure pieces of music, obscure terminology. Unless you have studied music theory, you won't get it. And to top it all off, this is supposed to be a labyrinth retelling, and the entire labyrinth story is over in the first 200 pages of the book. And I think that's why I never, I kind of stopped reading it, because you told me that, and I went, uh. Yeah, no, no, like, the entire point of the labyrinth story is completed within the first half of the book, and after that, it becomes a Phantom of the Opera-esque 
thing with this weird relationship between the main character and the Goblin King, who is her captor, who has convinced her to marry him and then die to surrender her power to save the goblins. It is really weird, and all he wants is her music, and he keeps talking about, I want to have sex with you until you give me your music, and it is very weird and very uncomfortable. And there was another problem that I had. There was one scene, and this is what really like, tipped me in the point of, I'm not gonna like this book. Aside from the fact that it didn't have a glossary and she was very condescending with her terminology, and the fact that it's not actually a labyrinth retelling for the vast majority of the book. No, somehow she didn't realize that she wrote date rape into her book. And no, it's not even like, oh, that's not date rape. No, it's- No, no, no. It's It's very definitely, clearly- Date rape. Um, there is a scene where the main character is at a party in the Goblin King's realm with a bunch of other goblins and has partaken of many, many alcohols. Which, by the way, if you've ever read fairy lore, don't, don't eat don't, or drink don't, fairy don't, don't, don't food! Don't but that's, that's beside the point. She's drunk, and she's describing what she's doing in the scene while she is intoxicated. And she's talking about playing games of bluff and dancing and interacting with these other goblins... And she's saying, waffling between yes and no and yes and no back and forth in a sexual connotation, lands on no, and then the next sentence is a goblin feeling her up. I'm like, this is date rape. This is, like, 100% date rape. And then the next chapter she wakes up and she's like, oh... I regret everything I did because I drank so much alcohol. This is all my fault. I'm like, oh no, someone didn't read this book before they published it. Because, like, I, as an editor, how did someone not catch that? Right. How did that make it to print? I really don't understand. Because I was genuinely offended that that was in the book. It's, especially since it's a young adult book. I mean, that doesn't belong there. At all. No way. So... This is all you're going to hear about Winter Song from us, unless I finally finish 70 pages and write a review, but don't really expect that, because that was a really... I, I might finish it if I could find my copy. I really think the dog ate your podcast homework. The, the dog might have. She doesn't <laughs> generally eat books. She only did that for the first six months. <laughs> and she's like four now. Books and board games. So instead of talking more about the disappointment that was Winter Song, we are going to talk about something that was actually way better. Yes. This is our discussion of A Court of Wings and Ruin. So this is the book that we have been looking forward to since this time last year. When we had our first, first episode, episode on... So, oh yeah, A Court of Wings and Fury. And A Court of Thorns and Roses. Right. Yes. So, no, we've been looking forward to this book for forever, and I think it's only fair that yeah. our first episode was this. And by the way, the podcast has now existed for a year. It has. So we are rounding out the year... With A Court of Wings and Ruin. Yep. Aren't we supposed to talk about what we're looking forward to? I think we're just going to have to throw our normal procedure fo- okay. to the wind. Normal formatting will resume with our next podcast because we just need to talk about this book. Yeah, no, I really, I can't hold it in anymore. There's, there's, no, there's no way I can do that. I'm sorry. I cannot restrain myself. So, for starters, there are many, 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 many controversies surrounding this book. Lots of... Before this book even came out, there were spoiler chapters and spoiler pages released, and people read them, and took to Twitter and their own personal blogs, talking about how this book was extremely acephobic. If you don't know what that means, that means insensitive to asexual people. Right. 
I 100% disagree. Yes. With that opinion. I also disagree. The phrases that were being quoted in the various blogs of vitriol about this being an Aceophobic book were taken completely out of, out of context. context for whatever reason. There is a quote that is pretty poorly worded. Yeah, I'm not, not going to say it's not, the, it's not the best written paragraph. Honestly, an editor probably should have caught it and reworded it so that it didn't sound so negative. That said, the quote isn't even about asexual people. It is Feyre's inner monologue about these twins. By the way, the twins are evil. evil Dagden evil. and Branagh. Evil. They're horrible. They're awful. Eventually they die. Oh yeah! Spoiler warning! I'm gonna spoil this entire book. Yes. I will hold nothing back. So if you have not read A Court of Wings and Ruin, but you have read A Court of Mist and Fury and A Court of Thorns and Roses, I suggest you go listen to that episode and not this one until you've read the book. Because we're gonna talk about who dies. We're gonna talk about everyone who dies. <laughs> All of the deaths will be revealed in this podcast. So, if you have any plans to read this book and you haven't done it already, I suggest turning around now and coming back later. Unless you're all for the spoilers. So the evil twins die, eventually, at some point. But Rather gloriously. Yes. Yeah. Just, like, so satisfying. Yeah. But the quote in question is Feyre's inner monologue about how she believes that they are involved in an incestuous relationship with each other. Which, I mean, is most certainly hinted at, but never confirmed. No, but it context clues point oh, yeah. it, but it's not ever... And like we were talking about earlier, twincest is not new. No, this it's is a very not a new point. concept. Sarah J. Mass did not invent twincest. In fact, I don't understand because people were also complaining about the the implication of incest. And my response to all of you people who were complaining about that is: please go read Game of Thrones and come back. And then you won't be complaining about the implication of incest. You will be complaining about actual on-page sex scenes between twins. Yes. So, believe me, it gets worse. Sarah J. Mass is not the only author who has ever hinted about incest. Uh, and it's books. actually a very common thing to see in fairy myth lore type things, too. Sure, so. and it's not even that uncommon in mm-hmm. YA. Cassandra mm-hmm. Clare's icky relationship in her Mortal Instruments series between Jace and Clary where they fall in love and then are told they're siblings and try to stay away from each other, but then decide, oh, you know what? We don't think we care. We're just going to continue to fool around while being brother and sister. Now, I understand that at the end of that series, it turns out they're not in any way related, but that doesn't change the ick factor of the first three books. Ski. (laughs) Ick. Much ick. Much more ick than this. Anyway, the fact of the matter is the quote was taken completely out of context, and was just a matter of poorly worded text. I really don't think there was any foul play on anybody's part, except that something was just missed by an editor. Right. And not so much that they missed date rape. They missed one statement that, if taken out of context, could look bad. Right. But I don't even think that's the case. Also, people claim that this book is inappropriate representation for both lesbians and bisexuals. Which I have trouble understanding that point of it. I do too, but the main complaint is about Helian Spellcleaver. Who I happen to adore. Uh, Me too. And when he paraded himself onto the pages and... And he did. Oh yeah. It was was glorious. 
No, man. He paraded onto the page, and I was like, you are my new favorite person. <laughs> and then he starts, you know, hitting on everything that moves, and I'm like, you are especially my new favorite person. <laughs> and, you know, apparently people felt that it reinforced a stereotype about bisexual people mm-hmm. and always wanting threesomes. And personally, as a bisexual woman, I was not in any way offended by this. Nor was I, as a bisexual woman. <laughs> so... I, I I can sort of understand where someone might be offended by that. I personally wasn't. Right. With that context, you're dealing with people who have known each other for... I don't really think it was saying anything you know, about bisexuals. No. I think it was saying something about Helion Spellcleaver as a person. His, him as a person and his, rela- and his, rela- his comfort level in relationship with those people. Yeah, too. and I mean, so. come on. Maybe most people don't joke around with their close friends about, you know... Uh, let's go do the thing. Let's go do the sexy times. <laughs> but, you know, I've been in friend groups that that totally happens in. Yeah. And, I mean, that's not, it's not all that weird. No, it's not. And I really didn't find it to be out of place or to be a stereotype. It did not, it did not feel like a jab. No, it, it felt, felt very like, comfortable, actually. Like, it felt like a... It felt real for his character. Mm-hmm. I really like that character, and I honestly hope that we see more of him in the future. And I suspect we probably will because of the revelation that we will talk about later. later. That I, if we don't get a book that oh, deals with that, we better get him and that and this. <laughs> uh. The other complaint was that Morrigan comes out as a lesbian. Yes, in this book, and the complaints that I am reading are from people saying that because she sleeps with men, she can't be a lesbian. And I think maybe that they have missed the point. Yeah. They obviously (laughs) didn't read that entire section where she's giving that speech Well, well, she's explaining it. Because not only has she been having sex with men because she feels like that was one thing she was supposed to do. Right. She's also been doing it because, well, it's not exactly offensive. It's not something that she dislikes doing. Yeah. She still gets a physical sensation from it, but she can't make emotional connections with men. She can't fall in love with men. And... I want to point out, there is no point at, at all for it, where it is acceptable for us to say that she can't be a lesbian because X. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's not okay. These are characters in a book, and I do understand that, but they are well-developed and they feel like real people, so we should treat them with the respect we treat real people. Well, the whole thing, too, is she makes the comment that she did the, the, the thing that she needed to do to get out to of get out that situation. Mix, which was, she was like, I'm gonna go screw this guy. And you know what, I'm sure Cassian yeah. was more than happy yes. to oblige in that situation. Yes. But she continued to have sex with men. Yes. And I, I mean, I don't really see a problem with that. I, she can identify she also, as whatever she wants. She to. also talked about her, her long-standing, her long-standing relationship that she did have mm-hmm. with one of the human queens. And about how she has not had a relationship with a woman since then right. because she cannot wrap her head around loving someone else. Right. And she hasn't been able to move on where that human moved on, had a family, and died. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really heartbreaking that she spent all this time being so very lonely. And instead, people are being like, well, I don't think she earned that revelation. I don't think that's... I'm like, whatever. I thought the character was really well-developed, and I thought that scene where she finally decided to tell Farah was which good. I was looking forward to when you got to that scene, and I wish we I kind of meant to talk to you about it before now, because <laughs> I wanted to hear what your response to that scene was. I read the scene and went, oh! 
Yeah. I didn't actually expect that, but okay. I mean, I didn't really see that coming so. either. I actually... I know everyone was rooting for Morgan and Asriel. And I, I knew think, that wasn't going to happen. I think a lot of the complaints come from a sunken ship. That's fair. See, I watched the interactions over the two books with... They were not in love. He was no. in love with her, and she was not in love with him. He had a bit of hero worship for her in a way. Of yeah, that and I don't, situation. I don't know that he's actually in love with her. No. I think he thought he was in love yeah. with her. But then again, Asriel doesn't really understand what a lot of these things feel like or even are yeah. because of his unfortunate circumstances. Right. So, I mean, let's face it, these characters are so very well developed and so very well done. And they have their own intricate stories and feelings and emotions. And I'll just say one more thing. The Kinsey scale is not black and mm-hmm. white. You can't, it's not one it's, or the yeah, other. It it's, is it's not, it's not. Sexuality is yeah. a scale. It exists in shades of gray. And we need to accept that. For both Morrigan and the real people of the world. Yes. And for Helion Spellcleaver who can, you know, want to have as many threesomes as he wants to have. Giant puppy piles, let's do the thing. I mean... That's, if he wants to do the thing, let him do it. More power so, to him, and honestly, I love I'd it. I'd read it. <laughs> I would, too. <laughs> I would, too, in a heartbeat. The fact that I haven't looked up Spell Cleaver fanfiction yet? Oh, I know. I can't I keep thinking about it. I I have uh, considered multiple times looking up A Court of Mist and Fury and A Court of Wings and Ruin fanfiction. Yeah. But I cannot convince myself that that is a good idea. Because I'm pretty sure that it will ruin the books for me. You know what will happen is you'll find, like, one really great one, and then you'll have all these other ones. That are just not as good. It's like the years of the Harry Potter fanfic, right? Bing! And I was a big, big, big Hermione shipper, right? So Uh I read all of the Draco and Hermione Oh, dear. As much as I could get my hands on. But most of them were awful. Mm. Oh, so very bad. There was this one. Oh, I loved it. I can't even remember what the name of it was. And it had like 60, 70 chapters. And so, like, the author put so much work into it. And then one day it just stopped. It wasn't even finished. Oh, no. I had that happen with a couple. And it was like, why? Why have you? Why have you stopped? Why have you forsaken me? (sighs) No. This was, you were on chapter, like, 75 of a... Harry Potter BDSM fic, why have you stopped this? <laughs> to be fair, I totally wrote a Dramione fic and got about 15 chapters into it and went, eh, I'm gonna stop. So I guess I've also been that person. <laughs> but did you post it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were that person. I've also been that person. So there's, there's that. So aside from the controversies surrounding this book, right. which we have now stated why we 110% disagree, disagree with, Let's talk about the beauty that is A Court of Wings and Ruin. So this book, I just want to start out saying, is not better than A Court of Mist and Fury. No, A Court of Mist and Fury is a better book. It is a better story. It is a better relationship. Like, there's, it, it, it's better. That does not mean that this is not a five-star book. No. Because it is. Yeah. Definitely. It 100% is. The only book in this series that is less than, four, uh, the, than five stars is A Court it's of Thorns book. and Roses. And it's four in my book. You start out with Feyre infiltrating the Spring Court and convincing Tamlin that she is no longer Rhysand's mate and wants to be with him oh so very much. Yes, yes. Because her time in the Night Court was so oh, tragic. Terribly tragic. She is Feyre Cursebreaker. She has so many names. Yes. 
But <laughs> I've heard a lot of people complaining that the beginning of the book is boring. And that they had a problem with, like, that there wasn't enough action and they couldn't get into her breaking down the court from the inside. And to me, that was fantastic. I me too. I, I was wanted like, more of that. I was actually disappointed. That it was so short. That, that that was such a small part of the book. Because I was thinking we were setting up for something very long term. Very... Uh, I can uh, understand why people, why it was shorter. Because people want to see Feyre with Resand. They right. don't want to see Resand alone, and they don't want to see Feyre alone. But I loved Feyre's inner court drama, and the breaking down of the spring court, the and little subtle the moves. political moves that she was making. Like, and a I was trick like, during the ceremony with oh, the song. Yeah, which was to pull all, like, perceived power from Iante, yes. so that people thought that Feyre was more blessed than Iante, so Iante would have to make a move to regain her power. I think I want to point out here, Caitlin and I are both hard school vampire LARPers, and yeah. we love the political game. Yeah. So that's part of why we love this particular section so much, this, I think. This entire, the, that part of this book I is what get I wanted Three Dark Crowns to be. I yes! want to take it and send it to Kendari <laughs> Blake and go, do this! <laughs> do this next time! But seriously, it was really, really well thought out and really well done. I was like, the scene with the guard, too. Yes. With the yeah. whipping? Yeah. Was especially... Especially good. No, I was really, really impressed with that scene. My only thing about that entire about that entire scene that I or that entire segment that I'm not that I was not totally happy with. It is not the segment itself. It's later on when she starts regretting what she did. Yeah, and I'm kind of like, no, no, honey, don't regret it. Yeah, just no, own it. Yeah, own it and move on. Yeah, but I understand that she feels like she has gone down to Tamlin's level, and she feels like that's an unacceptable thing for her to have done. Yeah. yeah, but you know, I really enjoyed that she did it. Also, yeah. that particular section of the book, the first part of the yes. book, has my very favorite scene from the entire book in it. Snap, crack, smash. <laughs> Iante gets what's coming to her. Oh, it's never outwardly stated, right, that Iante is a rapist, but it's but it is heavily implied. implied, heavily, 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 heavily implied that she and while. Sarah J. Mass never uses the word no. rapist. What she did with Resand and what she did with Lucian yeah. is Heavily, rape. Yeah, it, yeah. It's definitely. rape. And the scene where Feyre comes upon Iante in the woods with Lucian mm-hmm. and has bound him mm-hmm. and is, you know, attempting to have her way with him. Yep. And Feyre just loses it, yep. and breaks her hands. Iante's no, no, she hands. makes yeah, Iante like, break her own hands. Makes Iante <laughs> break her own hands. Fantastic! Oh, it was, man, that was fabulous. Like, I, I was waiting for Iante to get what was coming to her, though I will admit that her death later on in this book took place no, off no, screen. No, her, no, her getting eaten by the weaver, I'm okay with. Off screen! Off screen. You want her the picking the bones and the yes, nah, 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 yes. I want the gnawing on screen. <laughs> I understand that this is supposed to be YA or new adult, so yeah. it probably shouldn't be on screen. But you know, I'll imagine it. Speaking of that, I'm gonna start the cereal. Aww, <laughs> I cried. I bawled so hard. I think that's where I started crying. I know. And then I didn't stop. That was the scene that I was like, oh. No. By the way, you need tissues. Lots of tissues. Book. A care package that contains tissues, the book, chocolate, chocolate 
and tea. Yeah. Because it's the only way you're going to make it. Yeah. It's the only way you're going to survive the 700-page roller coaster of yanking at your heartstrings. Yeah, this book is, is hard. It's very hard. So so one of the characters, she, she does kill, this the cereal. Yeah, the cereal does die at the hands of Eonthe and her hybrid. Which just made her getting eaten by the Weaver. Yeah, made her get eaten by the Weaver even better. Oh, oh. man. Though I still, like I said, wish it had happened on screen. Guys, I really just wanted to see that. (laughs) And I know most people are like, but she's not even really the bad guy. She was worse. Uh, yeah. But since we're talking about bad guys. Yeah. Can we talk about Tamlin's supposed redemption? Yeah, to me it did not feel like a redemption. (laughs) No. It felt like a, I have to do something with him, so I'm going to do something with him. And I, I just, I think there just wasn't enough time or room in the book for her to appropriately develop Tamlin's character, so she used him as kind of a plot device. No, the, the one point during, in, the, in the camp escape. Well, yeah, and yeah. I really liked that, and I really liked at the end where he told Feyre to be happy. Right. But I just don't feel, and I know she probably left him out because he's, everyone thinks he's the villain, and he's done some pretty horrible things. Right. I'm not Team Tamlin here. No. Don't get me wrong. But, but I wouldn't call him a villain in the book either. Tamlin is suffering equally as much as Farah and Resand are from the same trauma. Yeah. And we see Farah and Resand rebuilding themselves from said trauma. And we never get that for Tamlin. He gets no development past the shutdown point. Right. And I feel like that was kind of a mistake. I think she had an opportunity during the meeting of the High Lords. Yeah, that to she do something with him. She didn't. All she did in that scene was slut shame. Yeah, that's all she used him for was slut shaming. Slut shaming and to yeah. Which I'm not complaining about the slut shaming because I'm not saying it's 100 percent out of character. Right. For him to no, do. no, it's totally something he would do. I just really hated that. That's all she did. Yeah. It's. She could have used him for much... It made his redemption later less poignant. Right. Because you don't feel like he really means anything that he's doing or saying. Mm -hmm. Now, I do believe that he he believes he loves Feyre. Yeah. I don't believe he actually does. No. And I don't believe... I think he... he, I don't believe that he has come to his senses at all. No. Aside from the fact that he realizes allying with Highburn was a bad idea. I don't think he understands... That what he did to Feyre or her sisters was unacceptable. And no. I don't think he understands that until he deals with his issues, he can't be effective in his current position. Because he's toxic to literally everyone around him. Well, it's because he believes in everyone's possessions. Yeah. To him, Feyre is one well, of his possessions he, that was lost he, to him. He treated Lucian the same way. Yeah. And, you know, Lucian eventually realized that that was not... You know. And if you... Pick up the history of Tamlin and talking about his father and, and all that. He was raised to believe in the idea that the high, everyone else, everything within the domain of the High Lord is the High Lord's possession. Yeah, and I get that. And he is more of a traditional High Lord than Resan. Yes. And I totally understand that Resan's upbringing came from his mother and not from his father. Yep. Because his father was a traditional High Lord yes. as well. And that Resan is a dreamer because of who his mother was. Right. And. That's that's fantastic, but I think that Tamlin could eventually get to a better place. He was just never given the option of getting there. Like, the writing doesn't allow that. And I, I think that's a little unfair 
to the game. It makes me wonder. I mean, we might see him again. We might. One of the books. We might because we I are. Would, I would find it. I would find a redemption story for him. An actual redemption. An actual redemption story for him would be interesting. I don't think we're getting that. I don't think we'll get that, but I think it would be interesting. We to explore. This is the finale, right? Of Feyre and Rhysand's tale. This is. There will be no more Feyre books. Right. There will be no more Inner Circle books. In fact. She has said that the main characters of the book will not be members of the Inner Circle. So we will not have books following Feyre, Rhysand, Cassian, Asriel, Morrigan, or Omran. So... Just sad. Yeah, it is sad. Because, and this is the thing about about this book. Because I, a five-star read, I love the book. Yeah. I would have preferred there to be another book in this story as opposed to everything getting crammed into this book. I kind of agree. It felt a um, little smushed. But, and I also feel like there's a bunch of open-ended stuff, but I think that's on purpose. I, oh, I agree. I, I believe that the open-ended stuff, stuff for... that's been left, she plans to wrap up. In the next three books. So, if, yeah, I'm calling it now, by the way. Call and it. I agree with, I agree with Caitlin, by the way. We had the same thought. Call I it. I just had to wait for her to get to that part in the book. Because I finished this book before she did. Yeah, it's true. I dragged this out. I didn't want it to end. I, I read it in the night. I spent. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I made myself not do it. I was afraid if I didn't finish it, I wouldn't pick it back up again because of what had been happening with me and the books. I know. Because I, I had books that I really wanted to read, and I would start reading them, and I liked them, and then I would put them down, and, and my then brain not would go, pick no. them back up. Yeah. No, I, I totally know how that goes. But I'm calling it. The next book is a retelling of the Swan Princess mixed with Firebird. Yep. Because of... Oh, what is her name? What is that the character's young name? Queen. Yeah. Who isn't dead? She has a name. By the way. I mean, she has a name. They didn't kill her. Anyway. The, I can't lion, the, the lion the lion-haired queen, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what they kept referring yeah, to her. Yeah. Uh, she's not dead. Uh, instead, she has been imprisoned by this godlike being who yes. may or may not be the, the brother to the, the, brother weaver, to and the, the weaver and the bone carver. Who, by the way, are siblings. Yeah. You find that out. Yes. Interesting to know. You know, I can totally see that. Like, when they when they made that yeah. connection, I was like, how did I not notice that that was probably like, no, the that case? that actually makes a lot of sense. I was like, how did I not notice that? They're too similar for me to have not... Anyway, this queen has be- is being held captive by this godlike creature on a lake, where during the day she is a firebird, mm-hmm. and at night she is human. Yes. Sound familiar? I mean, it's the swan princess meets firebird. Yes. So I'm really excited because I'm like 100% I think be a really positive. Fantastic. If that's not what she's doing, she's missing a great opportunity because that could be great. Also, future things that are left undealt with. Lucian is yes. not the son of the High Lord of the Autumn Court. No, he, no, he is, is the only child of the son of, of the uh, High Lord of the Day Court. Yes. He is Helion Spellcleaver's only kid. Can I just say. That that whole revelation and what all went on with that just makes me hate. What's this? The the, the High Lord of the, of the Autumn Court, Baron. Baron. Mm. Yeah, he's a, he's a dick. He's an abuser. Yes, he is. <laughs> he's a, he's a dick. He, he's he's an abuser. Yeah. And the you you get the way about the way you get about rapes rape rapists. Oh so yeah, no, it's how I get oh. about physical abusers. Like I that. don't like him either. Like so, not even remotely do I like no. him. Because I I would. Yeah. He's the one that I want to see just get shredded. I think his son's going to kill him at some point, but that's... Oh, well, yeah. Not I'm sure. That that may happen in the future when we address the fact of Lucian's paternity. Yes. Which is that his mommy had an affair with the High Lord of the Day Court, and that's why Lucian's not a daddy, 
hated him his yeah. entire childhood because he's not his kid. He suspected but couldn't necessarily prove because well, yeah, yeah. The fa- Lucian doesn't know. Yeah, because Lucian has fire powers. Yeah. Well, came from his mother. Yeah, his mother had extremely powerful blood. That's why they yep. got married in the first place. Yep. So you know, not heard of. Which makes you wonder what he other what other powers he might have that he hasn't tapped. Yeah. That because he, he didn't know yep. to to try. Yep. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. See, I'm, I'm also looking forward to seeing a resolution between the new love triangle in this book. We don't have any more Tamlin, Feyre, and Rhysand. No. We have Asriel, Lucian, and, and Elaine. Elaine. Yes. But we can't get Asriel. No. Because he's part of the inner circle. Well, he won't be a main character. Yeah. It won't be from his point of view. She didn't say that they won't be in the books at all. So I have a feeling we will see them. They just will not be main characters. Right. Honestly, even though that we have established that we've established the whole uh, Lucian Elaine mating bond thing, I, I think she's going to reject the bond. I think she's going to reject the bond. I think that that's been set up because there's been multiple conversations between Lucian and Recent about how about how what would you have done if she really wanted to stay with Tamlin? Yeah, what would you have done? And the fact that you can reject the bond, yes, and, and that women find it easier to reject the bond than men, right? But then you have for Lucian, you have. The Firebird Queen yeah. over here. Yeah. That would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I think we'll get more Lucian in yeah. the Firebird story. I think so, too. I think it's going to be a thing. And then, apparently, she says that the three books are going to be... One is going to follow a character we've already met, non-Inner Circle, and the other two are going to follow characters we have yet to meet. Interesting. So... If we're going to wrap up the Lucian storyline, it has to happen in that book with the person that we've already met. Right. So it has to be the Firebird. Right. That's where it has to happen. Yeah. And, I mean, how could it not? That's a very big, open, like, hanging plot hole. Yeah. Huge plot hole. Huge, huge, huge plot hole. Also, can we talk about Jurian? Jurian is a relevant character in this book. Yes, he's he no is. longer a creepy eyeball. Yeah. He's, um... Schemy. He's schemy and smart. Oh, yeah. And also kind of smarmy. Oh, well, he's very arrogant, smarmy. Yeah. That's that's very much there. And the whole thing. Because here's the deal, you know, Jurian's a bad guy, right? He's all High Lord's ass, right? Yeah. Except he's not. (laughs) Yeah, except he's not. Except he is. Except he's he's not. not. Except he... Is? And it's one of those things where I s- suspected, based on a couple of things that she did in the book with him, like, you know, I could see him de- being that last minute turncoat to hi- on Highburn. It's oh, not last minute. I honestly didn't see it. Like, I legit and missed it. And then when when we do get that re- revelation that he has been trying to protect the humans on the other side of the wall. From Highburn. From Highburn. I mean, my response was, wait, what? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I stopped, and I, I looked at the book for a minute, and I put it down, and I got up, I went, got water, came back, and I reread those passages, and went, huh. I didn't imagine that. Well, that's unexpected, because I didn't really think she'd do that. But props to her, because I thought it was great. Oh, it was fantastic. I thought he was a really good character. Mm-hmm. I did have... A bit of a problem, because you know that I like my villains well-developed? Yeah. The King of Highburn is just kind of a boogeyman. Yeah. Like, ooh, I have a cauldron! Okay. <laughs> I have to ask, if, if, if at any point you had this image of this 
creepy old fairy dude with his little cauldron on legs falling around <laughs> like a puppy. Yeah. Like a puppy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I totally did. Though, and every time I pictured the cauldron, it had, like, this mouth. Yes. With teeth. It was, it was like, it was like the anime Halloween cauldron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after it came and stole away. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, it's sentient. Great. I'm like, and that was, that just cemented the whole cauldron puppy dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It was, I didn't have a problem with the cauldron being, you know, a bad guy or, you know, I had a problem with the fact that we don't learn anything about the King of Highburn aside from the fact that he is all powerful because of the cauldron. And so he's just basically a boogeyman. Right. Ooh. I'm going to kill all of you. Yes. Yes, but why? And they kind of briefly touch on why, but they don't it, give it, us enough. His motivation, his motivation seems to simply stem from, I am a petty-ass old fae that thinks I should own everything. Yeah. That's basically what his entire motivation stands for, stems from, and... Well, honestly, and he, he lost the war the last time, you know, so now he's grumpy. Right. He needs a Snickers. Yeah. Eat a Snickers. But, which, you know, and that didn't make Jose his, can be that petty. That didn't make his death scene any less enjoyable. Oh, no. That was one of the best scenes in the entire book. Okay, so I started crying at the death of the surreal, which was about, what, 150 pages before the end of the book? Uh, 150, 200, somewhere in there, yeah. And uh, didn't stop until the end of the book, but crying would diminish and right. then return in waves at certain events. So the surreal, and then... Uh, Daddy Archeron shows up with a fleet of ships from the mainland. Yes. He comes to the aid of to his the aid of his daughters, and I'm just like, oh my god! The Prince of Merchants! The Prince of Merchants! And I'm like, oh, that's so great! That's amazing! It's so wonderful! Happy tears! It's his, rede- it's his, it's his redemption as a father moment. Happy tears! Happy Fantastic. tears! Happy tears! And then, the King of Highburn and his, oh, magnificent boogeyman-ness... Kidnaps Daddy Archeron and kills him in front of Elaine and Nesta. Yes. And more tears, because I'm like, but but I was just crying happy tears, and now yes. I'm crying sad tears, because yeah. you killed him just when he became good. And then and Nesta, of course, flips out. And uh, yeah, but Elaine kills him. And oh, Elaine kills But, you know, Nesta flips out, and we almost lose Cassian. Yeah, we almost lose Cassian. Cassian puts himself between... Oh, King yeah. and Nesta. We almost lose Cassian. And this is the third time this yes, book we have almost, almost lost Cassian. Cassian. I, I felt certain that that boy was, was gonna die. Sometime and I was book. like, he can't. He can't. He is my second favorite Illyrian. He can't die. <laughs> and and then it's like, Highburn is about to kill Nesta. Yeah. And Elaine, who has been gifted Azrael's knife, yes, stabs the fuck out of him. Starts my language. Don't you touch my sister. I was like, oh, yes! (laughs) Yeah, no, it was great. Finally, Elaine snaps out of her, like, funk. Yeah, the the, the The, the, fugue state. It was almost, yeah, she's in this, like, fugue state because the power she got from the cauldron made her a seer and she doesn't know how to deal with what she's seeing. Mm -hmm. So she goes into this depressive state and what snaps her out of it is that he's gonna kill Nesta, so she stabs him in the throat. Yep. And then Nesta takes it and finishes the knife and just rams it around his neck and pops his head off. Yeah. Ah! Like that was one of the best describes. So good. So, so good. Oh, great. We're a little bloodthirsty when it comes to this particular point. Maybe, maybe a little. 
And then, the King of Highburn's dead, but the Cauldron is still active and causing all kinds of problems, so we have to do something about the Cauldron, well, the right? Cauldron's also still pissed because Nesta stole from it. Right. By the way, she stole from the Cauldron. She stole from the Cauldron, and her powers are a bit unexplained. She's apparently extremely powerful because she is a piece of the Cauldron. Yes. She's a Horcrux. Basically. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, because she went in and she was like, well, if you're going to take something from me, then I'm going to take something from you. Yep. Give me. And she took part of it. Yep. Riptic screaming. Yeah. Omrin takes Farah to the cauldron to to fix this problem. Right. To, to make it dormant. Yes. Except Omrin doesn't exactly tell the truth. No. When she's doing this. Never trust a dragon, guys. Never. And if you hadn't figured dragon. out that she was a dragon. Well, she's not literally a dragon. Well, I mean, they don't call her a dragon. No, they don't. But, but she that, that's always what I saw in my head. Was, yeah. She's a dragon. No, she's like some sort of serpent thing. Yeah. Guys never trust a dragon. And, I mean, really. If you haven't read The Hobbit and that didn't teach you to never trust a dragon, then do that. But she takes Feyre to the cauldron and has her perform this spell that is supposed to make the cauldron dormant. Right. That's not what it does. Nope. In fact, what it does is it releases Omrin from her... It unmakes her. Yeah, it unmakes her. It releases her from her fairy prison. Yes. That she put herself in. Because she was made, and then she, and she had She made unmade. herself. Yes. She made herself as a way to get out of prison. Yep. That's how powerful this woman is. Yep. She made herself a fae in order to get out of that prison. And so she unmakes herself with the cauldron and unleashes her dragon powers... On the battlefield. And I love the don't run, it gets my attention. attention. Yeah. You get the whole lot of recent yelling at the people, don't, don't run, run, it gets her attention. Yeah. You finally get to see what Reset was talking about when he said he would release Omrin in a, in a last ditch effort. Yeah. And she like wrecks everything and then disappears yep. and vanishes. She's, she's done. She's gone. And you're like, oh my god, she died. She sacrificed herself for everyone else. What an amazing journey for Omrin's character. Oh, also, Varian is standing beside there just, like, absolutely just devastated. Oh, yeah. Because he and Omrin have this, like, love-hate thing going on. That scene where he walks into the <laughs> Oh, and he, just, just, and, he, and he just, he walks in, goes to her, and just kisses her. Yeah. And, like, picks her up, and everyone's just like, okay. They, and they just walk, walk out. Walk out. And, and like, they're oh. like, Okay. But he's, like, distraught because she's gone, and it, it's horrible. And then the cauldron is cracked. And the entire world starts going... Yeah. And so Pharaoh's trying to figure out how to fix it. But she can't do it on her own. Of course not. So Resand offers to do it with her. Yes. And offers her his powers. Yes. So they combine their powers. The two most powerful high fae in existence. Yes. In order to mend the cauldron and save the world. And they succeed. And it was the most heart-wrenching scene in the entire book. It was... Because it's like Farah doesn't understand what she's doing. Mm -mm. But the reader totally does. Yeah. And Resand pours every ounce of power he has yep. into fixing this. And then dies. Oh yeah. Dead in a doornail. Like, falls over, dead. And the description of Farah realizing that there is no bond... That there is nothing. Yeah. But but emptiness yep. is just oh it was it's it's, it's just, just just shredding. It's uh, like <gasps> I when you read that breathe. scene you will want to hug your significant other. I woke my husband up and was like, please don't ever die. 
I am apparently a very emotional reader. But yeah, no, bawling, just tears coming down everywhere, because he's dead. Rhysand is dead. It's, it's, it's awful. Horrible, horrible, he's dead. Whatever will I do? I was trying to prepare myself for the eventual demise of either Rhysand or Feyre, and then it happened, and I didn't know what to do with myself. And then I realized I didn't have to. Nope. Because he wasn't going to stay dead. Nope. Before Feyre even got the idea, I was like, nope. he is not going to stay dead. No. They are going to revive him. Because we have to full circle this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so the High Lords come together from the battlefield and revive Rhysand. So he doesn't stay dead. Yes. Feyre clings to his, to the bond, yep. keeping him there long enough to revive right. him. Fantastic. Awesome. Whatever. That's not my There was that moment where I thought Tamlin was going to refuse. Yeah, I did. I did think Tamlin was going to refuse, but again, be happy. Yep. My problem with this ending was not that they revived Rhysand. No, it was that they- Is that Rhysand turns around and is like, oh, by the way, while I was off in the great beyond, I found Omrin hanging out. So Omrin, would you like to step out of the cauldron now? Invalidating her entire sacrifice. My personal biggest problems with this book were all in the ending. And it was all with the Happily Ever After style, I can't kill anybody. Fan service. And I felt like there were about four more chapters in this book that needed to be there. Because we just needed to end it at one point as opposed to having all this... Well, we'll do this. Well, I kind of liked liked the ending where they had a bunch of like calm moments after the storm. I didn't really want this book to end on... Hey, Auburn, step out of the cauldron, well, now no. everyone's fine. The, the ending with the, the whole council bringing together of the humans and the fae and all that, that made sense. Do that scene. But then there was a fair chapter, and then there was a recent chapter, and I was like, yeah. this... Maybe not do this. Yeah, this to me feels a little too... It, it, it fed into the happily ever after trope, yeah. which I don't mind a happily a happy ending at all. I really think Auburn should have stayed dead. Definitely. I really do think Amr should have That would have been much more uh, I think impactful. her stepping out of the cauldron and being a regular normal Fae now is a little bit fan service. Yeah. I, I kind of understand why she did that, but to be honest, I really think it invalidated a lot of Amr's sacrifice, mm-hmm. which kind of upset me because her character development had been so good up to that point. And I just really, I really don't think that was particularly well done. And I have to admit that seeing her do the fan service happy ever after ending for this book makes me wonder... Yeah. About the ending. But we're not getting that ending. <laughs> we're not getting that ending. Not this year. It'll be next year. I know. This year we get Kale's book. All dope. All the time. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm not a Kale Westfall fan. <laughs> I am not a Tower K-O. of Dawn. A dope's tale. <laughs> I mean, we got to read it. <laughs> but. Of course we're going to read it. And the entire time I'm going to be like, when we're talking in the discussion, I'll be like, well, Dope said, and <laughs> Dope did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm reading this the first book in Throat of Glass with my husband, and I'm reading it to him. And every time Kaol does anything, he comments about how much of a dope he is. <laughs> like, the fact that the, the tension between Dorian and Kaol in the yeah. first book regarding Selena, yeah. and how, you know... They both clearly have feelings for her, but Kaol won't make a move. Like, at any point, has decided he's just not gonna. He just stands around and is like, I love her, but I will do nothing. I love her, but I will do nothing. And Dorian's like, fine, if you're not gonna do anything. Yeah, I do the thing. And so Dave is constantly like, he's being a dope. He could have the girl, but dope, 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 dope. (laughs) Doper's got a dope. Doper's got a dope. (laughs) 
But speaking of comparisons to Throne yes. of Glass, I felt like this book was very similar to Empire of Storms in the way that it developed its side cast Agreed. instead of its main characters. Because Agreed. while in Era of Fire and Queen of Shadows, we were very accustomed to it being very Selena-centric. Yes. And very Selena and Rowan-centric. Yes. And then... While you get a lot of Selena and Rowan in Empire of Storms, you get, you get way more development in the associating cast. Well, Mist and Fury were was Mist and Fury was Feyre and, and recent story, but this book, this is an ensemble book. This is the Court of Dreams. Yes, this is the Court of Dreams. This is the book where we see everybody else come into their own, where we learn more about everybody else. Yes, this is the ensemble book, and I really liked that. A lot of people were complaining because there was a lack of romance and tension and the romance is good i read chapter 54 of a court of mist and fury totally for the romance no you're right that's for the sex <laughs> that's not for the romance that's not for the romance that's for the sex uh, i mean no one writes a better sex scene i'm uh, convinced she's, she's pretty yeah i mean elise kova writes tension like nobody else oh. but sarah j mass writes sex like nobody Dragon else team. oh i know we'll talk about that <laughs> We'll talk about that in a minute. But I feel like this was the ensemble finale where everybody got their moment in the sun and it wasn't just about Feyre right. and Rhysand. I agree. They were already in love, so we don't have to, like, feel the romantic tension or wonder who she's going to be with. We know. Right. They belong together. They're mated. That's it. They're going to be together forever. But how long is forever? Right. And and how is that going to impact everybody else? So, like, I thought it was great. A lot of people complained. But I really... I thought it was good. I, th- I really enjoyed the book, despite having minor complaints. I think it was a really good ending to this trilogy part of the series. Yes. It wasn't perfect. No. But you know what? I loved it. And I cried. And it cried. It, okay. it killed me. I don't think I've cried this hard in a book, aside from A Court of Mist and Fury, since Elise Cove's Water's Wrath, and I'm still not over it. Oh my god, still not over it. She knows how to leave her characters dead. <laughs> I mean, I won't tell you who, but I they don't come I, back. I appreciate a well-done character death. I do, too. So. I don't appreciate George R.R. R. Martin's well-done character deaths, as in, oh, hum, eeny, meeny, miny, dead. Eeny, meeny, miny, dead. I just assume that everybody in his series is, 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 is dead. Yeah, basically. Like, they're, they're just, you can turn this page and, oh, these people are dead. If Tyrion dies, I'm done. Like, so done. <laughs> so very done. She's hugging the I'm book. I'm hugging just the book. I'm hugging the book. I get And like you, I my, my, minor complaints aside, most of my complaints have to do with the happily ever, happily ever after ending. I cannot say that. Y'all are just going to have to deal with the garden. <laughs> so, happily ever after ending. Hey! I did it! I am special! I, 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 get, a, I get a prize? You get cake. <laughs> I get cake. That's right! I get cake after this. <laughs> Oh, right! We forgot to say, this is Cynthia's birthday! Yee! Happy birthday to me! Happy birthday to you! I'm not gonna sing. Please. <laughs> You're just thinking I would say yes, but don't sing happy birthday to me on the podcast. No! So, yeah, no. Ah! Uh, and guess what she got me for my birthday, guys? I got her books! Books! Are you shocked? This is books. <laughs> I got her the hardback Grisha trilogy so that she can read them so she can read Six of Crows. Right, because so I bought can- it before I realized I had to read also, so we can talk about the amazingness that is Cass Brecker. Yes. And all of his fantasticness. <laughs> I'm in love with him. I am. It's just not even... 
I have so many book boyfriends now, I have a harem. That's okay. I have a, have a harem. It is perfectly acceptable to have a harem. Yeah, that's true. 100%. Speaking of harems, I think we can now move on, since we're a little uh, over time now. Yeah. We can move on to talk about what we're going to be reading in the future. And yes. I know that you're thinking, how does that relate to harems? Well, it most certainly it does. does. Because in the very near future, we are going to be doing a discussion on... Now I Rise, which is the sequel oh to my I Darken. Which, if you've been following the podcast, you know both of us adore Love that book. That book. Oh, Lada. Lada is my everything. Also, I have really gotten into the history of the Ottoman Empire. Yes. And, which may or may not be directly related to the fact that I'm writing a LARP character that may or may not have been born during the reign of the Ottoman Empire, that is hardly relevant to this discussion. <laughs> I have actually found out some really interesting history things mm-hmm. and some mistakes in Andi Darkin, which we will discuss in Now yes, I Rise. I, I look forward to that. Some historical inaccuracies. I, got, I started to get these messages from her when she was doing research going, hey, did you realize <laughs> Did you realize that Kirsten White did this wrong? And I was like, oh. Huh? <laughs> Neither of us noticed it while we were reading it. No. But both of us commented on how well researched her book was. Yeah, I know. Which it was. But there were little tiny wrong she took time periods. She took some liberties with some of the timing. Yeah, wrong time period. Anachronistic. Yeah. But that one's a little more in the future. Our next podcast is going to be about Strange the Dreamer yes. by Lainey Taylor, which we have been intending to do a podcast on since last year. Last September. We were last September, to do this, I think. September, when it was October. supposed to come out. Yeah. And then it got delayed until March, which it came out in the middle of our I don't want a hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> and so I have read it. And oh my God. And I have not gotten my copy in. I have it in now. I'm going to start it. That book is amazing. So it's book a is, beautiful book. The book's brilliant. I'm like, oh my god, I had forgotten just how wonderful Lainey Taylor writes. I, oh, no. I will save it for the podcast, but holy crap. I think that book is going to be my favorite book of this year. Oh, wow. And I just did an entire discussion on A Court of Wings what and I would expect to be your favorite book of No, the year. I think it's going to be Strange the Dreamer. I really oh, do. Oh, my goodness. So you realize how high you're setting that yeah, for me to go with I do. Right? I do. So, you know, you should really tune in for the next podcast so you can hear what I have to say. Because Let's really hope I don't, like, hate this book because she <laughs> might tear me into shreds. I might. I might. <laughs> I might. You couldn't possibly hate it. The world building is so good. But I gotta save things for the next podcast. <laughs> then the podcast after that, we will be doing another sequel to a book that we reviewed last year. Right. We will be doing Our Dark Duet, which is the second part and finale of The Monsters of Verity. The Monsters of Verity. Right, that's a duology. By Victoria Schwab, which is the sequel to The Savage, the Song. Savage Song. Which we... We liked. liked quite. Uh, yeah. we had, there were issues, but we actually liked the book quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, I gave it four stars. I enjoyed yeah. it. And then after that, we'll do Now I Rise. And then after Now I Rise, we will do Dragons of Nova, which is the sequel to The Alchemists of Loom right. by Elise Kova. Which we did at the beginning of the year. Yes. It was our first podcast of the year, wasn't it? Other than the other than our wrap-up podcast? I think it, made, it might have been, yeah. So, it was our I first actual book podcast. I don't really remember. I, I, I'm but, so... Because uh, Elise Kova does an accelerated publishing schedule. So, yeah. And there's one more book after Dragons, correct? I think there's a, I think it's there's two. Yeah. I think there's two more books. Are there two more books? I don't know. Because originally I think it was only supposed to be like two books, and now it's like three books. That. Well, you know, several series were only supposed to be three books and are now four. I found out this came out of BookCon, which was this past weekend, that uh, Three Dark Crowns was originally supposed to be three books and is apparently now four. But it should only be three. There are only three crowns. <laughs> I know. 
I don't know. I, I really I don't, don't know that know. I can slog through four of those. I don't know that I can even do the next one, so there's I'm that. I'm going to attempt the next one. I'm going to try. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't. I make no promises, people. I, I it, cannot. It might get eaten by the fairies. <laughs> <laughs> Ninyella's a dog, not a fairy. She is named after one of the allies. <laughs> Tolkien! I know! <laughs> we are book nerds. <laughs> she is my maiden of tears. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> So those are our future shelfie plans, and usually at this point we would give you recommendations, but honestly, I really don't feel like I need to do that at this point, because I'm just going to recommend the same things I've always recommended. Please read A Court of Thorps Roses, A Court of Mist and Fury, and then A Court of Wings of Ruin. Then please read Throne of Glass and all of its accompanying books. I would name them all, but there are many. So that you can read Tower of Dawn with us, which we will be doing in September. Yes. And... Then read Fallen Kingdoms by Morgan Rhodes and and Grisha by Lee Bardugo and you know the staple fantasy of the YA genre. Don't we? Don't read Winter Song. Don't don't read that. Don't don't just, don't read that. Uh, don't read Caraval. Uh, don't read My Lady Jane. Oh, speaking of that, I was totally thinking. Is the Calamity Jane book out yet? No, that's okay. next year. Is it next year? Okay. Because uh, I'm totally going to hate read that. No, I'm not reading that. I'm going to hate read it. I'm going to like hate read it and tweet it as I read. I'm not reading it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not putting myself through that. I'm not doing it. I, I'm just. It's. It's. Yeah. No. I. This is. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be me with beer and the Twitter and the reading. No, I was talking about clearing out my bookshelf, and I was thinking about books I could get rid of that I didn't like, and I realized that I'm only keeping My Lady Jane because the cover is pretty. Oh, it's a beautiful book. It looks really pretty. But it was, um... It was bad. You threatened to go throw it into the middle of Poplar. I did. <laughs> and you know what? That's probably where it belongs. <laughs> oh, but that's hardly the point. We have read a glorious book in yes. A Court of Wings and Women. And I have read a glorious book in Strange the Dream. And I will be reading that book. So read that now so that you can listen to the podcast yes. when we talk about it. And make sure that you like it because... You have to like it. <laughs> you have to. You don't. I don't think you want to be around her. <laughs> she, she will sense that you don't like it. No. And she will come through the air. You are entitled to have your opinions. <laughs> it is acceptable for you to be wrong. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, you can disagree with me all you want. I'm fine, really. Yeah. <laughs> it is perfectly okay to, to, to not agree with our opinions. Yes, in fact, it is perfectly okay to tell us on the blog that you disagree with us, that you thought A Court of Wings of Room was stupid, that you thought Strange the Dreamer was crap. Please don't say that. But, you know, whatever. It will make us sad. It will make us sad. You know, comment on the SoundCloud, comment on the Twitter. Uh, I have an active Instagram. We have an active blog, which will be active soon. Yes. You can also find us on Nerd901. Yes. I will also give a shout out to all of the other podcasts yes. you can find on Nerd901. There is Pixels and Papers, which is run by personal friends Ernie and Derek, yes. who are pretty freaking awesome. And they talk about tabletop RPGs and board games. Yep. And I believe they are currently live, like, recording their D&D sessions. So if you want some stories, yeah. you can totally go listen to that. I believe their first episode has some issues with a cleric and a mushroom. I need to go listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I I saw it come across, I, and I just haven't had a chance. And I need to, yeah. maybe I'll do that while I'm playing Eternal. I'll just listen to it while I'm playing Eternal. They can be found on Nerd Nine Hundred One, SoundCloud, 
Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, yeah. and basically anywhere else you can find a podcast, as well as Twitter. And then there is two-player co-op, which we have not personally met, but now are part of the family. Yes. They do YouTube videos and podcasts about video games. So if that's your bag, you should totally go listen to them because they're pretty awesome. They can be found on Nerd901, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Twitter, and basically anywhere you can find someone on social media at this yes. point in time. I believe I am actually the only person that can be found on Instagram. So there's that. <laughs> I'm special. Bookstagram. 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 Hey, I like Bookstagram. <laughs> I even bought a pretty backdrop. She did. I realized it's a really nice backdrop. Well, I ordered it from Denmark. It better be nice. <laughs> I spend way too much money on this. Way too much. I have a problem. But you love it. I do. So, that's all we have with this episode. Yeah. It was so nice talking to you it guys It was nice again. to be back. We have missed you oh so very much, and we look forward to continuing doing these and not yes. forgetting in the future. So, you know, if you forgot we existed, thanks for coming back around. Yeah. Point your friends in our direction, because mm -hmm. we would love to have conversations and talk to you guys and get to know you better. Community's awesome. Yep. So, we will see you next time on Shelfie.